0: Hello boys and girls, welcome to this episode of Chatter with Steve. I am your host, Steve Cook, and on today's episode, I have none other than Joey Fitzgerald. Joey Fitzgerald is the owner of Fitzgerald Trucking in Minko, Oklahoma. Me and Joey are very close, so close in fact that he is the uncle of my wife. Joey Fitzgerald is the... Third generation business owner of the trucking business, Fitzgerald Trucking. On this episode of the podcast, we talked a lot about the business dynamics behind family business. Since he is a third generation business owner, he had a lot to say about the good and the bad side of being in a family business. We talked at length about that. We also talked at length about the trucking industry and how autonomous trucks driving themselves and things like that are, he thinks, in the near future. And finally, towards the end of the podcast, we talked a little bit about how both of us want to start our own town someday. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Joey. Mic check. Mic check. Sweet. Sounds good to me. Great, Joey Fitzgerald, welcome to Chatter with Steve. Hey Steve, thank you for having
1: me here. This is really neat. I, I like this place you got going on here.
0: The new edition is the Altoids. This is our first Amazon Altoid purchase. So I'm
1: the first one to get the the free Altoids. Yep. You'll have yeah. to tell
0: me your favorite flavor. We got I've tried these before, but more never a, anything. More of a else. Green guy. Um, what are we talking about tonight? Business.
1: Uh, I guess so. if that's, that's what you want. That's to. my favorite hobby. Uh, it's, it's up mine to me, too. huh? Yep, it's it's mine too. I saw a uh, Facebook meme a while back, and uh, it was it was I forget what the it was like cars or something and said and when you're at a softball game or it was like some sport event event and nobody wants to talk about cars. Or <laughs> yep. I'm that way when I go so to Hannah's know. softball games. You know, <laughs> we get there and everybody wants to talk softball, and I'm like, man,
0: who wants to talk trucks? Man, who wants to talk business? <laughs> Yeah. Well that's why Lindy gets mad because 'cause I'll hang out with like some of my friends that have businesses or are interested in business. She's like, What's he up to? I'm like, uh nothing new. Well like, what's he been you know, is he doing anything or I'm like, I don't know. She's like, What'd you talk about? I'm like, Well, we we've, we've always like thought this would be a good business idea and we talked about it for three hours, <laughs> you know? She's yep. Like, yep, that's <laughs> Okay. That's it. <laughs>
1: You know, that's one of the ways that Joe and I got to be really good friends was we had these common interests. And then when our daughters were playing on the same softball team, you know, we'd pull the chair, pull our lawn chairs off over to the side and we'd be talking about that. And we'd talk about trucks for an entire weekend, you know, talks yeah. or oil field or business and things like that. And uh, our wives are sitting over there and they said, you think they ever get tired of talking about <laughs> trucks? <laughs> Do you like talking about trucks a lot? Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of a gearhead and. Gotcha. You know.
0: I didn't know if you were more on the business side or if you liked are you about 50 50 or what's your? I, I'm probably
1: 50 50. Um, my dad is kind of a different way you know it, you know you know my dad and he likes the business side of it and but he like he'll talk cattle for years Oh gotcha. When I was young, one of the things you kind of get into of where I think has had helped me I was the kid that was always carrying instead of a car and driver or hot rod magazine. I all those trucking publications that you'd get for free. <laughs> I'd sign my dad up for all of those, you know, and they just get all these, like those free Fitz publications.
0: trucking has every. <laughs> and I
1: would get those. It was like Commercial Truck Trader. And then I'd get the Southern Motor Cargo and, you know, all these trade publications. But I'd read them cover to cover. I'd take them to school with me. Crazy. And, you know, when everybody else, the teacher you'd walk around, you know, would be like. What are you doing? Uh, put that hot red magazine away. Shopping for some ice. Yeah, and I'd have the one out that was like Southern Motor Cargo that was like on the latest uh, rear ends and transmissions in uh, offerings in trucks. And I'm like, I'm doing research. Oh, okay.
0: Right, that's okay. <laughs> you got away
1: with <laughs> yeah, it. I'd, I'd get away with it. You know, they, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, you're just doing research. Carry so. on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did uh, like family business, that's something that we like really have kind of the same past with as far as your grandpa and your dad, what were some of the harder parts about, was there like a transition period where both of y'all were in it or was it kind of two separate deals and then, or how's the the transition of that?
1: Well, I mean, I I grew up in the business and so all three of us were always kind of there. So
0: all three of y'all were there at one
1: point? We had a very narrow window of about a year and a half of when my grandpa was driving, I was driving and my dad was driving. My grandpa did not want to go take the CDL test and wow. to con- change his over cuz he, you know, had so the he commercial So he was all chauffeurs.
0: before pre-CDL.
1: He was Oh yeah, he was pre I gotcha. was pre-CDL. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I I huh. what well, the day I turned 18, I'd been studying the manual and I went back then you just went and took a test. So it was a it was written, all written test. It was all written test. You had took no driving test for a CDL and I went and converted my operator's license to a commercial chauffeur's license. Gotcha. And a few days later, I went and got my health card because, I mean, it had been like my goal. I love trucks. I wanted to be a truck driver. Yeah. And I was like, the day I turn 18, I'm getting my commercial chauffeurs. Here I go. Yep. And then I'm going to get my health card. So So everything's legal. So when you worked there,
0: like all three of them, was it like somebody was in charge? Somebody was, I mean, you were probably clearly just an employee. (laughs) I was (laughs) a peon. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But was it, was that a weird transition phase or was it super smooth or?
1: Yeah, those things always have their bumps, the, their bumps in the road. I mean, you know i've I've heard a few stories, not a lot, but between my dad and grandpa when when my dad was young and starting out and you know, and everybody kind of had their own niche or niche, whichever oh, depending on how much yeah right? yeah, of the way they wanted to take the company and mm. wanted to take the business. and what uh, was the difference? well. I've actually just learned some of this recently. My grandpa would haul anything you could get on a truck. (laughs) But, and he had operating authority. He got it in 1940. And that was the old intrastate regulated authority. We were regulated like a uh, electric utility, you know, so they would decide, "Hmm, no, we have enough trucks. You don't, you can't get in the trucking business. Whoa. Yeah, it was—that was up until 1980, the entire nation was that way. Hmm. And then they deregulated the entire nation, but they allowed the states to still regulate intrastate. Gotcha. And we had the good intrastate authority. I mean, it was— Gotcha. You know, it's worth a lot of money because they could—and it said on our permit, you can haul this, but you can't haul this. Weird. I I have an old copy of our permit that says— For example, we could haul cotton out, you know, anywhere we wanted, but we could haul used ginning, or no, we could haul ginning equipment, bagging and ties on return trip only. We could haul used household good furniture so we could move somebody, but we had to load or unload within a 50 mile radius of Minko. So, wow they just had it very segmented because there was somebody another trucking company with better lawyers that could
0: And so since your grandpa grew up with that, he was just kinda like, Now that we can haul anything, who cares what we Is that kinda No, no,
1: no, that was that all happened after afterwards. But my grandpa was not a what you'd call a over the road type, you know, be gone, haul anything anywhere, haul things for hire. He was the guy that he did a lot of the stuff nobody else wanted to do. Mm. He and it was hard manual labor stuff. Huh. So somebody in Minko wanted to build a house, and they'd say, "Hey, we need brick." So he'd go load the br- go get the brick loaded and then come unload it at your house. Hmm. We're going to pour a foundation. Okay, he'd go buy go buy the Portland cement, come and deliver it you to you. Need a you. truck?
0: I'm your guy. Yeah, break. gotcha. Uh,
1: he'd go get the load of sand, the rock, er- everything. He would go, uh, like once a month, he would go get a load of coal, and he'd buy the load of coal, bring it to Minko, and then he would pedal it around town because people still had (laughs) coal-fired furnaces.
0: Gotcha. And he'd,
1: you know, shovel them off a ton, go weigh it, come back, collect the money. Wow. So he was kind of, you know, would kind of sell the products, too, that he was doing. Um, As far as livestock, you know, we were known for being an ag hauler, and we held livestock for years. He all did little bobtail trucks you know, a big operator in Minko might take an entire bobtail truck, you know, like a 28-foot bed or right. something like that. But he had a lot of people that would, like, call, hey, um, the sale's coming up. I got three head to go. He said, okay. And then somebody else would call, hey, I'm sending some cattle too. I got four head. And so he would put petitions in Jiminy. there or mark them and bring them at low to Oklahoma City. Wow. And so that's was kind of the difference. When... Um, he hauled hay he bought and sold hay he had the contract um to haul a lot to the stockyards because back then they fed hay at the sale at the there wasn't a sale barn in the cattle and the pens they would feed hay and so they bought a lot of hay and he had that contract and he would buy hay all around binko chickie and haul it into oklahoma city gotcha so you can see the difference he wasn't really you know he was buying and selling products and using the truck to do it right and um my dad always said, he grew up doing that, and he said, I'm not going to haul anything that won't walk on and walk off on its own. He was sick <laughs> gotcha. of it. Because that was another thing. My grandpa was too cheap to buy a lift so, <laughs> on the truck. So they hand-loaded everything, hand-loaded everything. Gotcha. And uh, they, so my dad said, I'm taking it a different direction. And he also wanted trailer trucks. And so he, gotcha. he that's when he went to the cattle trailers trailer trucks because we'd always just had little short bobtail trucks Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and my dad started hauling cattle and then he just liked he liked the cattle people the cattle buyers he liked the cattle business and was kind of a means to an end as you know he's a big cattle operator now right and you know he didn't really want to grow the company that much he wanted to use the company and the cash flow to fund gotcha getting into the cattle business buying land
0: Gotcha. Um, so any capital from that was just going into the other business, not necessarily yes, to not not grow the to one. Grow business. It, yeah. Right. He
1: would do, if there was something he saw that would make money, he did a few things. Right. Like he got us into the new magazine. He not going to starve it or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it was a good thing and he was going to keep it going, but that was his passion.
0: So was that a good thing when you, when it, so when your grandpa was done, was that a good thing because that helped you? he didn't care about being in that business forever or was it kind of a bad thing? Cause it, you were like, ah, no, we can grow if we do that. You know what I mean? Um,
1: no, I I mean my grandpa, we, we let him be in it as long as he wanted to be in it. He and I have probably a little more in common (laughs) than me and my dad, because my grandpa liked trucks too. You know, he liked being a truck driver. My grandpa liked working on trucks and tinkering with stuff and fixing it. He wouldn't take anything to a shop. He was so gotcha. I mean, again. I hate to say he was cheap, but I mean he was very tight and conservative, thrifty. thrifty. He was a depra- <laughs> He grew up in the depression. You know, nothing was totally wore out. You know, right. <laughs> you
0: know? <laughs> and if it is, we'll just save it. And yeah, that's right. Part save it. Of it. Oh yeah, yeah. When we
1: after he passed away, when we cleaned out his barn, you know, you'd pull boxes off and like. What Wait, is this, this is a for? new part. Open it up. No, he put the new part on. This is the old part. He yeah. Put it back in the box and put it on the shelf. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, and so each of us kind of went a different way. I wanted to grow the business. Um, I hauled a lot of livestock early
0: on. I really enjoyed that.
1: Uh, you know, I kind of miss that and miss the people.
0: But is that the biggest appeal of it? Is getting to deal with down to earth. Yeah, people. I mean
1: it's great. It's uh, I mean the the uh, the operate, cattle ranchers are great people. Uh, you're working outside a lot. It's pretty right. nice, you know nice weather. And going to the sale barns, hauling back out to them. Um, you're being entrusted. One of the things I looked at it like that's different than working for you know a big company or whatever. When you go out there to load, you're being entrusted with their Maybe their years work, right? you know, and they're loading it on the truck and you're responsible and for And it's a live. <laughs> and it's a, it's a live product. And I mean, it, it can be their year's income, you know, right. depending on the size of operator they are. And so that's a lot of trust. And so they have to trust you, have to like you and have, you know. Yeah. And, and we built that trust with our customers. My problem with it, uh, when we started growing was that it's very difficult to haul livestock i want to say legally oh,
0: with gotcha. the hours of service gotcha
1: um i can tell you an interesting story about that when they went to electronic logs in, in trucks and now they have they gave them an exemption right and but they weren't going to initially and the the eric pearson he's the local uh dot like fmcsa administrator for oklahoma city he was having meetings going around the the state about the explaining le, explaining the electronic logs and the new regulations. He, he's really a good guy. You know, if you if you need information, he is there for help to help you. He had a big meeting up at Woodward and talking about ELDs, electronic logs, and he said this guy stood up and said, Hey, I have been hauling cattle for nearly 30 years. And he said, there is just no way that we I can make it and that we can do this with electronic logs and he looked at him and he said, you know, we didn't change the hours of service, right? (laughs) It just now has to be recorded electronically. And he said, yep. So what you're telling me is that (laughs) you've been driving illegally. You can't do it legally and you haven't been doing it legally for 30 years. And now, now now that we're forcing you to do it legally, you can't. (laughs) And he's like, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and he sat down. He had no more questions. I'll be quiet. And and that's kind of the thing is FMCSA when they gave him the exemption, they just it was like wink wink, nod nod. You know, uh, we don't know yeah. what to do with this situation. So
0: yeah, because it's and, you're up a creek when you got live yeah animals yeah. You and you got that live on.
1: animals on there, and so yeah. that that was kind of where we were at was that you know we
0: this part of the industry is really changing.
1: I couldn't I didn't feel comfortable with putting a driver in there saying hey you just got to get it there somehow just make it look right on your log yeah and and do that so yeah but we were fortunate so much of many of our customers we kind of worked in a radius to where we would haul uh, livestock in from the farm from the market I mean from the farm into the market and then we hauled the from cattle from the market back out to the farm. We didn't really run the feed yards or right. anything like that. But still, you know, you'd start early in the morning when you have one big sale day at Oklahoma City. Yeah, You'd start early in the morning, and then they want those cattle out of there at night. So there were certain times of the year. Stick around. Yeah. yeah. So you just have to. So what
0: do you mostly do now? Is it all? It's almost all cement,
1: fly ash, construction. We do some fertilizer, industrial minerals, salt. Some products like that. Those are the trucks that that do those products. They're gone more and stay out through the week or run further distance. A lot
0: of that's over the road. I mean.
1: Uh, Some of it is. What I call the industrial minerals, Uh it is. Um, Then the cement and fly ash, a lot of it is more local, but it's in different regions. You know, we have some trucks that work in Kansas. Uh, The the guys live there. We have some trucks in Tulsa. But most of our drivers, they're home every night. Um, maybe one or two nights out a week gotcha. on a special job, but everything we do, we do it within the hours hours of service. We're running electronic logs on everything. There's just too much liability. You can't right do it the other way. And, and that I, that's one of the things my grandpa taught me, and then my dad passed on to me too. I remember them saying, "If you can't do it legal and make a living, then you're not. You shouldn't do it.
0: Yeah, you know, well, it's not a miserable. business you should be. In. Mean, <laughs> yeah." Every time you get pulled over or have a wreck or something, you're. Oh <laughs> yeah, and, and the, it's that the industry's turning into having that. Having a heart attack.
1: Um, the industry's turning into that. Those people um, that are cutting corners and having accidents, they're they're not going to be in the business anymore because they can't get insurance. Right. Nobody's renewing them.
0: What is the the hardest part of your? I mean, the majority of your business, I guess you could say, is mostly just. Is it building relationships so that you can just middleman all this stuff? Or is it mostly organization between backhauls and all that stuff? What's the what's the majority of – where do you find success, I guess? Um,
1: I mean, we found success in our relationships, direct relationships with customers, and being able to service those. I mean, it's more than just, hey, you need to come hire us and then forget about that, you know, we'll get it done. No, we, we have to – go that extra mile to take care of the customer because if you don't there'll be somebody else in there. If you're just a commodity and you're not you know, I mean same with the feed business. What you know, if you're just selling a feed, everybody's selling feed, but you're you're selling a feed that's a better performer. You add a
0: service and yes, you, all that Yeah, to it. Yeah, we have we have to add the service So to how it. do you have service and, you know, your part is it mostly being there when they need trucks or what's your what's your service, you know what I mean? What's that consistent? Um
1: our service is that yes, we're there when they need trucks. We ha- we have to be a good value. You ha- have to be competitive, um, and they. I mean, there's there's a lot of trust that goes uh, along with it. Also, we have with uh, what the price. Uh, no, with the the being there on time. That you're not going to, you know, you're not going to miss a load. Gotcha. They're not going to run out of product. Uh, everything is really just. Is that time.
0: can shut down a construction. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yeah.
1: you can't be in a, you can't have a poor just stop in the middle and they've ran out of cement or -hmm. they've ran out of flash. Yeah, that could be really bad. Um, We've gained a lot of trust because we've done some really high profile jobs. Um, Dolisi, which I don't know if I should mention, you know, customers directly. There's only like 12 people that listen. But but one of our customers, for example, we had, uh, we'd worked for them for a long time. And just doing their everyday ready mix, you know, just whatever their trucks couldn't cover, they would give it to us. Um, the Devon Tower, uh, when they started the Devon Tower, there's a mat for their base in the bottom that was, I mean, I'm pulling this from memory, but I want to say it was like a continuous 8,000-yard pour. What? <laughs> yes. How many trucks is that? Uh, well, the, I mean, uh, you know, at 10 yards per per, per ready tr- mix truck. <laughs> You know, when we, our Portland would do like a hundred yards. We had multiple meetings. They brought us in on it, and they and we had multiple meetings on making sure that this went perfect. Um, Can they you were, imagine
0: you, these skyscraper buildings in New York City and stuff? Oh yeah, getting yeah. those semi. Do they do it overnight or how do they? Yes, do a lot of the New stuff York they City do it overnight.
1: Like uh, well, you know, come City, we did it over a weekend. They started uh, really? on. A, they started on a Saturday. Did night. Do they shut
0: down streets for you and stuff? Or oh yeah, yeah. So they
1: they closed streets. They couldn't really? do that during the week. So they started on a Saturday night, like at midnight. Mm-hmm. Started pouring, and we finished about 24. They finished
0: about 24, 26 hours later. Yeah. Wow. I guess you have to the concrete yeah. up. I mean, you don't.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they had um, they had three pump pump units um, that they were pumping it into it. Where they had like hoppers set up, and they had so many ready mix trucks dumping into these hoppers, and for these pumps pumping it to different spots on there and they're just pouring Whoa. it out there and the trucks are just lined up coming in there and you know every bit of they're testing all of the cement you know it can't be too hot oh wow yeah uh, i what i remember what i can remember it perfectly it was about this time of year it was in january cold cold Great cold time. i mean it was cold um we had worked for a week. They ha- There was a special product that, that went into this cement to do what they needed to do. And we'd had to bring it out of uh, another state. And so we'd spent about a week filling up their plants with it. And then we staged our trailers. And wow. we used, um, instead of coming all the way from Minko, because, I mean, we didn't we didn't want anything to get in our way and cause, cause problems. Yeah. So it being on a weekend, uh, the stockyards let us... Uh, Stage trailers because oh. we had to just kind of drop them on concrete because they're loaded. So we staged trailers down at the loadout at the Oklahoma national Stockyards, huh. And so that way, and then our trucks would be loaded at home. And then we started out and we had guys on it and we would go. And as soon as they unloaded, they went back over to the stockyards. They dropped an empty trailer, picked up a loaded one, went to the, their next assigned plant. When we got all of our trailers empty with this special product, by this time, Dolisi's drivers well were, uh, were running out of hours, so they had to go home because they'd been working since you know the night before they right. had their hours of service, and so then we had those drivers that started later. They picked up and went ahead and finished out with on the cement loads. Wow, and that's it, crazy! I mean, it worked. It went off without a problem.
0: Was that like all your? I mean, did you have all hands on deck? Um, yeah, that was pretty much,
1: we still, we held back some people, um, for, because we had to have people ready to run Monday morning.
0: Oh. And
1: so we held back some people for that, but it was probably half our fleet of drivers working over the weekend. So how does that
0: work? You don't own all the trucks typically in like a deal that you have, right? I mean, some people own our operators and how does that work?
1: We're a little over half of our own power units now. And then we have some owner operators. And then we have a few carriers that, um, you know, are one and two truck guys that, you know, they they have their own authority and they're really kind of brokering through us. Oh, huh. You know, so. Gotcha. But we pretty much do load most of their loads too. So. Gotcha.
0: So how does that work as far as, I mean, is it kind of one of those deals like like a owning your own restaurants or franchising type of deal? Like you're able to go way faster if you do owner operators, but if you own your own stuff, you make more money from it? Or how does that Um, What's the benefit to each of
1: those? For me personally, right now, I would say it's that um, it's the driver shortage. You just get drivers where where you can that meet your qualifications. Gotcha. You know, I I would probably lean more towards having my own power units and having my own drivers, but you can't always do that. I mean, sometimes because you like the
0: control of it, or how. Because um, when they're owner yeah. operators, can they go take loads for somebody else, or I mean, no, that...
1: not re- no, because if they're owner operators, they're operating under my authority. I see. So they couldn't do that. Now, the other guys that I have that are, you know, they could that that broker through me, mm-hmm. and some of them do. Some of them do some other stuff, but you know, most of the time I do what I do. But um, yeah, I would say it's probably the control side of it too. Is you know that I. I can have standardized equipment that goes Mm -hmm. there. And when I, when it goes in there, I know that this truck will do this and will haul this amount of tons. Whereas an owner operator would come in, you know, with whatever kind of truck and like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's only going to be able to haul 24 tons because his truck's heavier. Typically I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, we set standards on that. They have to have their truck inspected over, you know, certain number of times a year and, and keep up, but still, you know, there's times when oh well that tire will make one more trip. Yeah. But then I'm responsible on the for a DOT violation. You know it goes on my record because oh, gotcha. they're running they're my, under your name. They're under my name and my DOT Whoa, number.
0: Whoa I didn't realize that. Dang. Yeah. On the as far as that goes like is the trucking industry it seems like it's always changing or because it's so the government's pretty involved with <laughs> they can mm-hmm. make one switch and really jack up or help things, is it, is it just always changing or is it really seem like it's changing a lot recently? I think it just
1: seems like it's changing a lot lately. It, it does always change because there's always innovation and it's kind of one of those industries that since they deregulated it, it opened it, you know, kind of wide open. And so everybody's always trying to lower costs in some way and if they can come up with some innovation. Um, I think you're seeing a little more the the public is concerned about trucks they're concerned about, you know, in drive, driving with them in driving on the with, with them. So the, the, pu- there's been a lot of public support to, you know, try to regulate the trucks a little tighter. Um, but th- I read an interesting article in one of our, uh, it was one of our truck publications and they did a survey of the public and it was kind of about online shopping and Amazon. And, the public at a time when they want, they do not want drivers to drive outside their hours of service. They want, you know, stiff regulations on them, you know, drug testing as we should have. But they said uh, one of the most important things to them was that they did not want their package to be late. And they said they were actually more concerned about, they didn't really tie it directly to safety. But they said it was more important that their package not be late than they were concerned about porch pirates. So, wow. and the the numbers were just staggering year over year over what they did, you know, last Christmas as compared to this year. Um, Black Friday set a record for how many people online ordered, hmm. and that record held for two days until. Uh, what did they call that? Cyber Tuesday. Yeah. Or Cyber Monday. Yeah. Cyber Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. So. Wow. So, that's yeah, crazy. That's, that that's probably the biggest challenge right now in the industry is that there is a bigger demand for our, our for our service. But yet we have less drivers. You know, we have fewer drivers going into the industry.
0: Because of regulations, mortgage. mostly going into the industry, or it's just uh, it's people kind of don't the, want to be truck drivers right now. Definitely. Yeah,
1: it's kind of the same thing as the trades, you know. Mm. It's seen the tra- all the trades, and they're kind of seen as a less than career, right? You know. If I have well, nothing I else should going go to. On, I'll do that. Yeah, I should go to college first. But you know, they're going to college and going in debt and coming out and trying to get a job that pays thirty six thousand dollars a year. Meanwhile, my truck drivers, you know, if they're they got to be twenty three years of age, um, is it
0: 23? Just for you, or I mean, typically it's twenty-one, yeah. or you, it is that's tw- just your rule? okay.
1: At eighteen, you can get your license, but you can only drive intrastate. I see. Um, at twenty-one, you can drive interstate, but good luck getting an insurance carrier to uh, to hire you. Okay. Um. So you do twenty-three as ours is your ours rule of Twenty-three. Gotcha. And so, but with you know just a very little bit of training, you know you can be making. 55 to 65 or even more. Yeah. So.
0: Did, as far as like changes and stuff with, like you mentioned, like retail changes and all kinds of stuff like that, does the way that people are online shopping and the way we market differently and the way, you know, like all those small changes like that, does that have any effect on... The trucking industry, because I feel like at one point it does, but, like, if you're hauling a load to Walmart in the 1990s and now you're hauling a load to Amazon, you know, it's the same amount of junk. It's just (laughs) to a different warehouse. You know what I mean? So does all those changes, do they affect the trucking industry or is it just kind of, like, in the last 10 years, has it changed a lot or is it just kind of different places?
1: What I've seen in the last 10 years, no – I mean, you're basically just going to a distri- different distribution warehouse, uh, even though I've done very little drive-in work. Ours has been yeah. more tanker. But from what I hear and from talking to people, the biggest difference is when I started in the industry and through the 90s was that there were lots and lots of over-the-road, long-haul drivers. And I promise you, there's a driver out there. There's There's a class of driver that loves that. You know they want the long haul, the long distance, and they would for the money
0: or they just love seeing the world. Both, the money.
1: You know they they you know give them the choice. They'll load in New York and they don't want to unload again until L.A. You know, and some of them won't take a haul less than five hundred miles. Well, they don't want to. uh, They don't want to. Every one of these distribution centers or warehouses or wherever you go, I mean, it's not just back up and hey, yeah hit that dock we'll get you unloaded it's yeah we'll come get you when it's time when we get mm-hmm. you a slot And you may sit right. there 4 hours and then okay yeah back in there and then Oops, we'll get lunch you break. Unlo- yeah and then <laughs> 6 hours later we've got you unloaded yeah. so they don't want to deal with that so they'd rather only deal with that every two and when half to three driving, days. when i'm driving i'm making money Yeah. Of deal. and that's the biggest difference because a lot of that your big carriers your JB Hunt your Swift you know you'll look at those their trailers are on rail now
0: Oh. And so
1: it has gone more regional for different reasons one they're saving money and two the newer drivers coming in don't want to do that they want to be home every night or at least yeah. out and back yeah you a know. couple of days so it that's the big difference i've seen that's made it change more hmm. more regional and i see that i see that coming more and more
0: that it's just going to be you're home every night pretty mm-hmm. much as a truck driver yep. instead of if you, you ever on get
1: to if you really want to get futurist and get out there and, and look at some of the models they're predicting it's with autonomous. autonomous okay. Are
0: you serious? You think it really will?
1: Oh, yeah. There's about three different models that any one of them could happen. I don't know which one, or there could be more. But the three right now are autonomous trucks with you know very few drivers, in, you know possibly getting to a point where there's no driver in a truck. Or but, if a driver's but, in a
0: truck, they're going 14. I mean, they don't have any.
1: Yeah, they're just sitting there. Regulation, doing, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, no, I I don't know if they'll not regulation, do that. but like no time for sleep or anything like that. If they're not having it, right?
1: Yeah, if they're not having to, it just depends on how far the government wants to go on autonomous. But yeah. you could let's say let's say you go to a totally autonomous truck, okay, and there's not a driver in it, but yet it probably won't deliver to a warehouse. You know what I'm saying? It'll mm-hmm. go to maybe a staging yard. And then a local driver right there will come get the truck and then take it, deliver it, get it unloaded, get it reloaded, get it back in the staging yard. That's one model. So
0: basically truck drivers will get shorter and shorter distances yeah, to that, where you're just hooking and unhooking basically. Yeah,
1: That there's one. that's one model. Then there's another model that they're already trying where the truck drives on the road by itself. But then when it gets within, you know, say it's ready to exit off the interstate, then they turn it over to a guy. Or groups of guys that are sitting in a room like this
0: with the steering wheel
1: and it turns it over to them and they're looking at screens and mirrors and looks just like mirrors and everything, just like they're driving the truck, almost like a simulator, but they're actually controlling the truck and they get it off and take it down the few streets and take it into the warehouse and they come up there and then they communicate with them. Hey, yeah, I hit this dock and then you back it up to the dock and then boom, you sit there and you're working an eight hour day. And then, as soon as you back it up to the dock, boom, you get another truck, flashes to a different location, different truck, you're taking it in there. Whoa! Or boom, you said we,
0: people are already doing that.
1: There's some they're testing that now. Yeah. Huh. They had it was on CBS Sunday Morning, really, uh, about a year ago. And Whoa. then here's the really wild one. Um, they're doing pilot tests on this now. I wish you tried to get a grant to build a test track, and I think they went ahead and moved forward. They didn't get the grant, but they decided to go ahead and build a test track. Hmm. This this is the, trucking sponsor? No. <laughs> the, this is the really good one it, that I thought. It's only $30 million, probably. This is the one that I thought could really have the most potential. So you take I-40. Okay. Running east to west coast. Okay. Go to the center median or go over to the side. i-40 in the right-of-way you build two lanes that are going along with the traffic but they're inside barriers and then you run the electric power grid over the top of Mm. it and the trucks all have
0: it's like a trolley basically
1: yes but they're not on tracks right the trucks have that little mandrel up on the top that touches them just like the trains do and then it's totally electric autonomous trucks Running, they said possibly 70 miles an hour, weighing up to maybe 96 or 97,000 pounds. And they're running in like those uh, convoys where they're like really just running a few feet off each other. Uh They're all running the same speed. They have no driver in them. They don't need to ever pass. So they're just meeting each other. If they ever have a wreck or anything, they're not running with the public. And they said their prediction was that if they could remove ninety percent of the trucks from our highways and put them all in there, our our highways with car traffic would last hundred years. Whoa! A, a concrete highway would last a hundred years, and then all they would have is just these two lanes. So, you think do the this. government
0: would get on board with something like the this? The government is on board. That would save the an federal highway of
1: money. Uh, the federal highway administration was the ones that were uh, oh. offering the grant that you know, yeah, oh, wow. you know, sponsored the grant. And they can get the trucks off of diesel engines and onto electric motors, and then you don't have to worry about the the battery life and all these different things because you're tied into the grid. Um, the other thing was they can uh, – there was another advantage. You know, you've got the trucks away from the motor in public, so there's no more truck car accidents. It's safety, yeah. Safe, it's a safety thing. And um, – it was an uh, an efficiency thing as far as the electric trucks go. Um, they said they could have a cab on them, and so they'd run batteries. So you don't have to go all the way to California. Let's say you have a load coming from L.A. to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. So you'd have a staging yard that this truck would just automatically pull off into this staging oh, you yard. You get it. Then a driver goes and gets it. It's and just it has a enough, transloading deal. And it has a bat enough battery life to go like a, about a hundred miles.
0: Oh, I and see. And they
1: go out, make their delivery, get it reloaded, bring it back to the staging yard, it heads back to California or wherever.
0: Do you think any of this stuff will be in like your life? I mean, like your...
1: I think there will be some of it in something. next year, no. In, in, yeah, <laughs> be nice. I think there'll be some of it in my lifetime, yes. Really? Yeah, I I really think it's moving that Which one
0: that do you fast. think is the most likely?
1: I don't know. I, I like the last one the best, but... What do you think? Uh, no, no, I'm good. But I am just not certain that it, uh, I'm not, there there are some problems with it. Generally, most of our problems on these things have to do with political policy, public policy. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have something like that one, that makes the most sense, would be the most efficient, would work best for everyone, except the railroads. The railroads are a big opponent to it. And
0: the lobby money behind that. And the lobby money behind it.
1: Um, then when you start talking about autonomous trucks with no drivers, then you start getting the unions involved Uh, and you know, so a lot of things that make a lot of sense, you, there's so much opposition, there's some, there'll be opposition to it. And so, Uh,
0: wow. Yeah. That's crazy. uh, I didn't even think about that part. I'm sure that, do you think that that's a real, do you think jobs are just always changing or we truly, you know what I mean? But. Do you think we truly are like losing jobs if something like that happens? Or do you think it's just now we got a 100 guys that are working at these loading stations? You know what I mean? Do you think they're? I, I don't think so. I, I really
1: think that, yes, the jobs are different. I do not think I'm not worried about this future where there's no jobs because the robots have taken. <laughs> right. Off.
0: Okay. Well, but it's hard to. Now it's going to be a boring context because I was hoping you'd believe in that. But
1: no no that is not me
0: uh thought that's where we could maybe take this
1: hang on just a second if you don't mind no, it's g- fine i've with got you. to uh, i just had a driver text me that he <laughs> i that i forgot to send him his load numbers
0: hey this is real life that's right it's <laughs> real life uh, example here
1: but um i'm i'm more one of the ones that believes that no there are other jobs that's displaced but Tell somebody that that, hey, yeah, you know, your job has been replaced. Now you have to go retrain for this other job. You know, most mm, people don't want to do that. I see. You know, if you were making a really good, if you were making really good money in a coal mine and they were saying, Oh, but you can get all these tech
0: jobs yeah, right. Yeah, right. Good luck. Yeah. I see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's one thing that I've always been curious about is like, you know, when you think about the jobs from the last, like, thousand years or whatever that, you know, that I feel like our jobs are always going to keep up with the amount of people and the amount of, you know, because there are no truck driving jobs. Well, then there has to be more of something else. Okay, now there's the repair for all the highline wires for that, you know, yes, or definitely. now there's the repair for those barriers that those trucks are whatever, or those... Those roads are going to have to be paved twice as often, or whatever, or re, you know, have construction on twice as often. That we're always going to have as many because it's not we're taking jobs away. It's just times are changing and we're just shifting things around. Just like the Walmart example, we were hauling junk to Walmart to sell. Before that was the Five and di- Before that it was the you know yeah, whatever ben Franklin Five and It's nine, all or, just yeah. you know. Yeah. We're always buying junk. We're always driving on roads. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's changing, you know, weather. Mm-hmm. But who knows? That's All those people that opinion, were like
1: wheelwrights and making uh, buggies and the buggy manufacturers, yeah. you know, there were jobs for them over there at uh, in the building of Model T, but yeah. that didn't mean they necessarily wanted, wanted that job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It just changed. I'm just going to keep making buggies until
1: nobody wants
0: them anymore. Yeah. Um, what else is different in the industry that besides autonomous driving? that's
1: that's the biggest one right now that seems to and
0: you think that'll happen in your career time?
1: Oh I think Some, so. I mean I mean I mean they're there now. Uh, uh, they delivered what was it a load of dairy products or cheese or something all the way across the country recently wow. with they had two guys in there. But the they never had to give any input. <laughs>
0: they were so nervous. I mean, they
1: were just <laughs> they were just sitting there, and the truck was driving. And this wow. wasn't on a test track. This was on real highways. Oh wow! And it did. Do it. you think that's
0: very likely to have something like that?
1: To with no driver in there, mm. or or with I mean with assisted a driver assisted driving. I guess or yes. I, that's what I think we will
0: definitely see
1: pretty soon. Pretty pretty soon. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think so.
0: Do you think something like that could change all the deals where, like, well, you can drive 24 hours in a row, we don't care, because you're not actually driving, like, if you fall asleep? You know what I'm saying?
1: Uh, that That's
0: one of those that big— that won't really change much big big if they regula- keep the same regulations exactly, on it. What's that really going to help?
1: That's the thing that will change the—I mean, that, that'll be the pushback from the regulatory environment. Like, oh, shit, yeah, that makes sense, but are they going to actually do it? You know, that, right. so, cause you can have too many other players that start getting involved in that. Um, yeah, I had, I had another thought on that too. Oh, that is one of the big things about autonomous. I don't know. Have you heard that about one of the big opponents of autonomous? Cause they don't know what to do with it is the attorneys. So you got <laughs> autonomous cars going around here and they have an accident you, or somebody that's driving has an accident with an autonomous car. Who's to blame? Yeah, who's to blame? The lawyers don't know who to sue. You can't sue the guy oh, that, wasn't, that was driving behind the wheel because I wasn't driving. It was the car driving. So then do you sue the automaker? Do you sue the, the software
0: company? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. So. That would be a lawyer nightmare too because, I mean, I'm sure they would have cameras and stuff like that, but that would be a huge problem with the – the autonomous cars technically aren't supposed to mess up, you know. Exactly. so
1: Yeah, and that's one of the big things I've heard is the another problem with it. If they could just snap their fingers and every car was autonomous, everything would be fine. It's people driving with autonomous cars that are that's going to cause problems because mm-hmm. you know the human error. Kind of and, half pregnant. On, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so. that's like – that's that's very similar to the um, – what do they call it? Like the rating or whatever with the cruises now? Oh, the yeah, adaptive cruise control. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that. we didn't have it on the last car. Lindy's car now has that. And it's stuff like that that <laughs> – that's what she said the other day. She said, if this thing ever goes out, I'll probably like run 70 miles an hour in the back because I'm just assuming it's going to slow me down. But <laughs> if somebody like turns it – you know, there's some like – Parts of it that jacks you up because you're depending on it to, Mm -hmm. if you start depending on it too much, then you can run into the back of Mm -hmm. somebody or whatever, you know, but if somebody turns in front of you or something like that while you're got it on, it'll sense a car and slam on its brakes or something, you know, there's, there is weird stuff that when autonomous and people Mm -hmm. mix, it's kind of a, you think it's going to do one thing, but it's thinking the other. And they say that's going to
1: be one of the most dangerous times of autonomy is when that it requires some human input, it's and, new. Pe- and people start trusting it too much, <laughs> but yet they still need to put some input into it. They said that that's probably going to be far more dangerous than full autonomy.
0: Wow, you that, think cars or trucks will be first to go?
1: Probably cars, just because there's more like, people driving, a bigger market for it. Yeah, and and the you won't have the regulatory hurdles.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true.
1: That you know they yeah. want to make it, and. You know, everybody's, cons- everybody's scared of a
0: truck driving itself. You yeah. know? I mean. yeah, Nobody's so. scared of a Prius. Running yeah, around. exactly. <laughs> like, if it runs over a kid, that would kill him, but yeah, it's not going to hurt any other know, cars. He runs into the back of your <laughs> F250. Do you feel something? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what was that? Yeah. And
1: yeah. So, yeah, but, uh, no, that's, uh, I, well, I actually have that, uh that adaptive cruise control on all of my newest trucks that I've bought. Oh, really? Have that. Yeah. And it's great. Um, Because I figure if if it'll pay for, I mean, that's not a very expensive option and it'll pay for itself if you avoid one accident. Yeah. And you know, the one you worry about is, Oh, there was one up on the wheel Rogers turnpike back maybe 10 years ago. It might've been longer. Um, The guy was within his hours of service, but he was just kind of, halfway dozing you know mm-hmm. just what he was on autopilot had his cruise on wasn't paying attention and didn't realize it he came up on traffic there was a wreck and traffic was stopped the truck went over the top of like six cars before <sighs> it got shut down never touched a brake, basically yeah. so i mean that's that's a Whoa. really bad thing that and adaptive this, cruise this, this adaptive cruise control would at least make that accident. Make an attempt. It would <laughs> yeah. lessen it. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've been in it. I've tested the systems. I went, you know, uh, Meritor. They had a, like a ride and drive event huh. up at the, up at Remington Park, over here at Remington Park. Really? Out there in the parking lot. And uh, they let you test everything. The uh, roll, st- it has a roll stability control. And it has the, uh, they had one where they take a car out in front of you. And basically you had your foot on the accelerator, like you were going to ram it and it would just lock up the brakes, just bring it to a stop behind that car.
0: That's crazy. And
1: so, yeah. And they'd have you take it through. They had a tanker loaded with water and it was like maybe half loaded with water. So it would get some slosh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they had outriggers on it, on the out, stuck out to where if it did turn over, you know, it would come down on those so you wouldn't turn over. Yeah. But they had you drive it and they put up cones and sent you through it. And what was funny, the first time I went through it, and it had an automatic transmission. First time I went through it, he's like, okay. And I come up on those cones and I mean, I've been driving long enough. I don't I can pick out somebody's piece of equipment even even if it's not my own. I'm like yeah, I can't go through it at that speed. And I'm like backing out of it and slowing down. And he's like, no, you got a mash on it. <laughs> and, you know, I went through it and the first time and I, it didn't ever kick in. And he's like, okay, you're going to go through this again. And you're going to drive like I tell you to drive. And we're going 40 miles an hour. He said, get it up to 40. We're doing 40. And they had these cones of just like a hard right turn. And I was started to back out, and he said, I didn't say take your foot off the accelerator, did I?
0: Dang. And we so what did it do that. when you hit when, the curve?
1: When I turned, and it start, It has a gimbal in it. And when it starts uh, The gyro, steering wheel does? No, inside, somewhere inside the truck. Oh, like gotcha. a gyro gimbal thing. Huh. And when it feels the truck going over to a certain point, it starts applying certain brakes. Not all of the brakes. Whoa. Certain brakes. The ones, breaks, it, needs the ones it needs to prevent keep it from roll. To keep it from rolling over. Wow. And it would start do, and it would start decelerating, even though my foot. He said, "Don't take your foot off the accelerator." Well, it started decelerating, even with it was like the accelerator was dead, you know. And then, so you could, could you feel it feel kick
0: it. in and like take over? Yes, a you could bit? feel
1: it. You could feel it back out on the throttle. Mm-hmm. You could feel it start breaking as you're going through the turn, and then you could feel it like hitting the throttle. I mean, it wouldn't hit the throttle, but it was engaging power to. You know, to keep you crazy. Upright. Huh. Yeah, it it was it was really <clears throat> crazy. It was like uncomfortable. It's but, like a safety deal. But yeah, it was great. You know, I'm thinking, you know, for if it prevents a rollover, I mean, there yeah. you go. So yeah. Um. So that's the big else? technology that uh, that I see changing in the industry. Safety but,
0: things and yeah, autonomous things. Um. What else? What's hard about driving a truck? Staying awake? No,
1: not if you're. I mean, I guess if you got narcolepsy. I mean, I mean, if you're well if you're well rested, no, I don't, I don't think that. I um. Dealing with the motor in public today, Uh, you know, because everybody, I mean, who wants to be behind a slow truck? Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, a lot of people get get around him, or you know, hey, that truck's coming. Oh crap! I got to go before he gets Mm -hmm. here. They'll pull right out in front of you. Um, or when you're in heavy traffic mm-hmm. and you need to get over a lane or you want to get over in this lane, Good oh, I can get over in front of that truck because when we slow yeah. down, he there's be a okay. gap, I'll, there's a yeah. gap. I'll jump in there. Yeah. I, I think that's the hardest thing. That's what my drivers complain about. That yeah. I never, I didn't used to let it bother me, you know, like and some guys, it just bothers us. It, it just kind of goes all over yeah. them, but you know, I just take my time and. Yeah, go Do You there. drive much anymore? No, very little. Very little. You I'd just like test to out drive the new more. New trucks and that's it. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> drive them around town and come back.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I get it, get a new one. I'll go uh, drive it home from the dealer. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, the last new ones we got in '16, I got some. I bought two new Peterbelts from Joe, and I took my dad up there with me. He still had his CDL then, and he went up are there. You didn't have it no, he let it he let it go because he didn't want to do the health card and all mm. that because 'Cause they've gotten really restrictive on that. And you know, he takes medicate heart medication right. and everything and so, yeah. so didn't yeah, want to mess with it. Dropped his truck down to a farm tag. Yeah. because he doesn't do anything for hire now. And so
0: Gotcha. So Told yep. him he has no say in anything anymore. <laughs>
1: but but yeah, that's uh, that it, it can be uh, you know, it it just depends on the guy. It, it, you'd have to you if you ask that question about what's hard about driving a truck or what do you like about it
0: yeah personality it, you, you'd get a different
1: course it's just answer. like somebody
0: running a business probably mm-hmm. if you ask one guy he says employees if you ask another guy he says sales if he ask another guy it's kind yeah. of the same thing yeah whatever you're good at is not hard <laughs> exactly yeah. and every kind of trucking is different
1: um i can i mean i loved i liked hauling cattle i loved pulling a tanker loved loved the pneumatic I like the unloading because you know we have to actually operate a blower, we have to operate the piece of equipment to unload. So again, it's a niche market mm-hmm. that that we do. That goes back to our service level. You know, if we
0: right, not everybody can. Yeah, we go in it.
1: We go in there. We try to train our drivers well to where they can get unloaded in a short amount of time and get out of that customer's way. Uh, we don't make a mess. We don't spill anything. We don't plug up. If we do we clean everything up and we take care of it afterwards Hmm. so you know that and not every believe it or not not every carrier does that yeah um but that's one of the things i liked about it now one time i borrowed a flatbed when we were doing our backyard landscaping our backyard at our house i borrowed a flatbed from a friend of mine and i had another friend that i could go to eastern oklahoma and buy flagstone and rock you know that you buy at these stone yards in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. and they charge you an arm and a leg.
0: Go direct to the source.
1: You can go over there. Most of the money is in the freight. Like you can go to the Wichita
0: Mountains and just scoop it up with a you know, and- No, no. <laughs> I knew a guy with a quarry.
1: He had it palletized, and it was in the middle of the summer. And I'd go over there, and you know, he loads it all up, and we pay him for it. And it had the winches and the straps on it. And i start strapping it down and throwing the straps over it and winching it down tight took me like forty-five minutes because I probably, you know, didn't know what I was doing on yeah. a flatbed that well, and got all that done like it was supposed to be secure, and I got back in the truck. I was just, I was sweating. I was <laughs> hot and tired. <laughs> Told Holly, I said, "If I had to make my living with one of these things, I'd be out of the trucking business like yeah. that." I said, but a you know, there's, but there's those. guys that that love that. You know,
0: yeah, so. that's a weird, that's a weird deal. Some people like different things.
1: Yeah, it, every, I mean, it, they're just as far apart from each other as, I mean, it's almost like you're not in the same industry, you know? Yeah, A grain hauler is different than a yeah. flatbed or a livestock hauler. Even
0: different. our, you know, the guys that bring our little short loads and stuff like that, they're one group of people, another, you know, they're like, yeah. hey, what's up? You know, they love feed stores, blah, blah, mm. blah, the over the road guys that are coming in on a backhaul I mean, it's a different oh, yeah. animal, you know, they're- Totally different. Well,
1: I used to, when I would hire guys, uh, that say had been doing drive van over the road, and I learned long ago I would train them. One I'd say, okay, this is way different than driving. <laughs> you know, do you, are you sure you want to do this? Uh, because you'd get some different kinds. One would be like, man, I've got to get off the. I got to get off the road. My wife is saying, you know, I, you know, I'm going to get a divorce if I don't come come home. I got to be home more. They get home and. They, they're used to talking to their dispatcher once a day on a drive van, and they're used to seeing their wife every two or three weeks after about a month of this, they come back and they're saying, man, I got to get back on the road or or I'm going to get a divorce. And, you know, and it's just a different lifestyle that they're used to. They're not used to that much oversight directly from a dispatcher of them loading and unloading four or five times a day. And they're not used to being at home, you know, when they're gone on the road, when they come home every three weeks, it's a party, you know, hey, dad's home, you know, let's go do something, you know, everything. But then he comes home and the wife is generally used to running the household by herself. Now that she's got her husband's (laughs) input every day on everything they're doing. And that is crazy. It is. And then the other thing we get into is that I've hired some of them. I've said, now, listen. You're going to go to these customers. We, customer service is our, our thing. And it is our asset. And you'll go to the same guy. You'll get to know him. You'll get to know his family. And you've got to get along good and treat him well. Because if you treat this guy badly, you know, guess what? You're going to see him this afternoon too. Yeah. And a lot of these drive-in guys are so used to being treated badly at these big warehouses and so they give it back to the
0: warehouse receiver. They're just ready to fight. They're ready to fight when they get there. I see it in their eyes when oh, they yeah. walk in our office. You know, they're like, hey, I got your load. How much? You know, I'm like, hey, good morning. <laughs> you know, it's exactly. a, it, like you said, like we talked about. It's a whole different.
1: Yeah. Get your crap almost. off my trailer. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, it's that's weird. attitude they have. And I got to tell them, you know, hey, no, we don't do that. We don't treat people like that because, you know, these are nice guys. They're going to work with you. Yeah. But that's a great thing about our business, is as long as you're on time, they're ready for generally ready for you when you get there. Oh, really? Yeah, and you back up, you hook up your hose. If there's no, you know, hey, get in line the dock. You know, <laughs> we yeah. got to get you a forklift and some, yeah. somebody will be along to unload you in a little while. Yeah, you know, they're ready for you and they're glad to see you when you get there. Gotcha. So that's huh. that's a good thing
0: about that's it. Crazy about <clears throat> like family business. Like we had touched on it a little bit, but. What is one, you know? What are some of the things you learned, or some of the, I guess, advice or wisdom or whatever you want to call it, of family business that you think you didn't realize when you were my age, or something that you learned when you, either learned once your dad was out of it, or that you learned while you were still in it. Oh, I I learned so much from my dad. Um, I would I was
1: learning things that I didn't even know I was learning. <laughs> yeah um I've talked about uh when you grow up in the business and my wife says the same way she grew up in a different business they were in the cattle business and farming and ranching but it's such a part of your whole family you know you talk about it at the supper table right you know you're talking about it when you're on vacation you're talking about business all the time and you're there's things you're learning that you don't realize and when i realized that was The book you've read it too haven't you rich dad poor dad Mm -hmm. Robert Kiyosaki Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great book is the key it's in the it's in the title what the rich teach their children that the poor don't and that's not saying that they're necessarily everybody's rich but it's a rich mindset of you're talking about business you're talking about taxes you're talking about dealing with employees and Mm -hmm. you know that you're the different hats you wear you know, in a small business, you're human resources, you're CEO, you're um, procurement, you know, you, you're the, sometimes your production and manufacturing <laughs> yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. And you don't, re- those were some of the things I learned growing up that, you know, the I didn't, lessons you, and stuff. you don't even realize you're learning them until you get out there and you start putting them into practice. And then also, like when I read that book, that's when you start realizing, oh, wait, everybody didn't learn this stuff. And you, when you're growing up, you're thinking, "Oh well, every who doesn't know that."
0: That's, I mean, you know? I've had that before, like something about IRAs or something. You know, I'm like, yeah, like I, you know, had one when I was 16 or what? Yeah, you know, like exactly. stuff like that. You're like, whoa. Yeah.
1: Yep i I didn't learn as much about investing. As I would have liked to, because you know, from the family I came from, I I told you about my grandpa being from the Depression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, so you know, but you learned
0: which Mason jars to yeah, keep cash in. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: uh, they didn't discuss stocks and bonds much. I had to learn, kind of learn that on my own. But um, and and then I learned stuff after I graduated from college that and came back to the business of you know the day to day operation and things you couldn't learn in a book about the trucking business. And when I said, you know, I'm a little more like my grandpa, that was, I learned like a lot of the business stuff from my dad and my grandpa I would learn the, I guess you said the technical side and repair. And I became, I replaced my grandpa and the kind of the go-to guy of, hey, do you think you can fix that? You know? Gotcha. So, you know, my dad would have me do a lot of that stuff. I would do the grease in the trucks, changing the oil, doing
0: things like that hmm. so that's interesting that's yeah. cool yeah I always like you know it's crazy when you start thinking about there's quite a few I know quite a few people that you know dad started or grandpa started it in second or third generation I think it's around here and then this kind of industry like ag slash you know kind of our industries it's it's a little more popular but I know in a lot of Places it's very rare and hard to find, so it's kind of mm-hmm. one of those deals that <clears throat> I learn a lot from people that are you know in the same position I guess as I am, but another stage up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they've already gone through the the parent in the business type of situation.
1: Well, yeah. how did you? How did you do? Did you? Did you ever have any growing pains or anything of where, you know, you and your dad didn't get Man, along and with it? I don't know.
0: I don't want to, like, pat myself on the back, but I feel like there was a time, like, looking back now, I feel like there was a little bit of a, you know, and, and he was very involved at first of um, this is when you'll work. You don't take Saturdays off. You know, there's, like, in retail, Saturdays are your most important. We don't take those days off. You know, there yeah. was very, like, involved. Now it's, like, are you at the store? (laughs) You know, it's like, are you in town? You know, and so we're still obviously like he's involved, but there was a period where he was very involved. And then I don't, this is what I was talking about, the bragging part is I don't want to say like, he was like, okay, he knows what he's doing. But I think there was a period of time where he was like, okay, he's taking this seriously. And, (laughs) you know, our sales are up quite a bit. (laughs) You know, I think there was some some of that, like I proved myself at the same time uh, as... At the same time of I was growing, you know, I was kind of mature enough to handle more and stuff. So I don't know. I feel like that that was was a big part of mine that now it's like, I don't care. You know, you're you're as financially vested as I am, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever you think type of deal. So now I'm financially vested. But at one time it was kind of a little more involved.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well... I, I think every generation has that. Like I said, I've heard some of the stories of my dad and grandpa, you know, would, you know, butt heads on some things. Mm-hmm. But then I know me and my dad did. I think some of that came from he really wanted me to get into the cattle business. He I, he really wanted me to do that.
0: Outside of trucking or
1: just in trucking? O- outside of trucking. Outside of trucking. I mean, he, he wanted me to farm and ranch with him. Mm-hmm. And because that was what his goal was. Right, and I, mean, I and I think you're, you, you kind of want to pass your passion on to your kids. Mm-hmm. And so there were times when he was like, either th- he would say, well, we don't need to do this. We're not doing this. Or there's no way you can do that. Well, that was just like, well, oh, challenge accepted, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and my dad would be like, well, that worked pretty well, but you know, you, you the only way we'll be able to do it is if you get this customer and there's no way you're going to get that customer. And I'm like, challenge accepted. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, okay, yeah, you're going to have to get some more trucks and trailers because I just wouldn't get a contract with them gotcha. and a commitment. Yeah. And so that's the kind of the way that, and it got to a point where he was like, mm, yeah, maybe this is going to work. He's, he's putting the work into it to make this work. And, you know, we had challenges going to getting drivers and yeah. covering loads and, you know, i am not gonna say that you know there was a lot of times, yeah you go talk- go back and talk about the hours of service that you know we got that reputation of we'd get it done no matter what, and most of the time it was me <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I'm not bragging, <laughs> I'm just saying if somebody was gonna have to run all night to get there, I wanted it to be me, not right. I wasn't gonna ask a driver to yeah to do that, do that. and yeah. so
0: did like our situation is kind of like a slow gradual it's been a you own none of the company now you own some of it and mm-hmm. then, and then it's kind of now it's a little bit more planned out you know type of thoughtful transition did did you have a transition like that or was it like you walked in one day and you were this you walked in the next day how did yours
1: yeah, oh ours was not a very good planned transition kind of messy. um it Like I said, we had those disagreements over that time. It finally got to a size and my dad's like, yeah, this is going to, you know, I I could tell my dad's not the one that will say, man, you're doing a great job. This is great. You know? Yeah. And that's not knocking him, but that's just the way he is. That's his personality. But I could tell he was like this, yeah, this is going to work. And it finally got to a point where we were growing to a size that, he was somewhat uncomfortable with because he was gotcha. he worried about the liability of the trucks and then with what he was doing with the farms. And so he said, Hey, uh, you know, I think it's time we start talking about me selling this to you and Holly because, you know, I, I'm kind of wanting to get away from the liability. You're wanting to go do some things that I'm just a little more uncomfortable with, not financially. It's just, the size uh you know the the liability right. or so gotcha and so that and so then we worked out a plan and we said okay we're gonna buy you out and at this price over and this amount of time over, over this amount bill. of time
0: gotcha so. that makes a lot more sense yeah that's so. that's one thing too i've heard horror stories on you know mm-hmm. i'm not selling and you know, yeah. <laughs> over my dead body and you know no you no, work we, here no we never that, really you know. had that
1: and, and you know that was one of the things too of when we started on early, that was kind of one of those challenges too. Was my dad was like, "Well, there would be, you know, there's no value here. You can't, you know, we, you'll never be able to build this to a size to that anybody would to want to buy about, it. Yeah, to right. worry about it. Because when and you
0: started, I mean, was it a couple trucks or was it the three trucks? Three trucks. Three yep. trucks.
1: And, and it could have been bigger before that. It could have been bigger than that years ago. It's kind of it, like we talked about that. Was they just didn't want to, to do that, yet. right?
0: Right. Yep. Gotcha. So that was another challenge. They, it did, they didn't
1: They didn't like dealing with drivers, and you know, and I can see that. I deal with that every right. day, you know. But it's just what you
0: have to do. Do you want a big business or yeah, deal it, with drivers? Yeah. Right.
1: And my thing, I think one of my things was that uh, growing up was I noticed that when that truck wasn't running, you know, like we go on vacation, that truck's not running, running, we're not making money. Yeah. You know, uh, you're losing money. Yeah. And <laughs> That's also you may lose a potential customer because hey, I got to call somebody else because the whole gone. family's out of
0: town. Right. You know, the
1: whole family's out of town. Yeah, and I was like, man, I I don't want to I don't want to be that way when I'm older with the kids. You know, of, you know, we never took a vacation longer than four days because you right. know you had to. customers are mad. Yeah, you, we didn't have many loads on like Thursday and Friday. My grandpa could cover it, so you know we'd leave on like Wednesday evening, <laughs> but we had to be back by Sunday night. You know, yeah, so huh.
0: I I. I didn't want to do that. That so. was the vision you yeah. Foresaw. Um what about the uh what were you just telling me? The is it the chamber deal? The chamber. Or the uh what's the what's the office you just got you just got thrown into? Oh the city council. <laughs> city council. <laughs> oh, Explain, I didn't think you were gonna bring that up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, that that was a deal. I just uh, I told them I would do it, so they I got appointed because I didn't want them to have to spend. They were money, about to have to re. Yeah, they were going to have to spend money for a special election. and the last special election, they'd had like ninety days before nobody filed, <laughs> and so they long were going to just have to keep paying fifteen hundred dollars for nobody to file until they appointed somebody. I said, okay,
0: Dale, put it into this. Yeah, let's put it into this. Put me in. It's only a year and a half. So. What is that? Is there a group of people that I mean? explain exactly what that is um well it's i
1: mean it's the governing body of minko you know we have they've made some changes and we're going to a five-man council but forever we have been an eight man eight-man council with a mayor which that's huge for a town of 1500 1900 people i mean that's it that's and that's the point we're at there's two councilmen from each ward. It's sometimes hard to find people that are willing to serve. Yeah. Two from each ward. There's four wards in Minko. You know. Gotcha. So, yeah. So,
0: you're about to go to a 5 with no mayor? Is that what you said?
1: Um, I no, I think um, You still have to have that. You I I forget how they exactly they changed it. It's either one from each ward and a mayor or it's five men and they elect a mayor from them you know gotcha. like a chair gotcha so i i'm not certain on that and there was a lot of people that didn't want that uh but it prevailed they they passed it in the vote. So, uh, and people. what do you
0: what are you responsible for with that like what are some of the decisions
1: the we got to pay the bills every month uh we're over the the chief of police of the police department, uh the water department, the water plant, water department. Do
0: you think which you're kinda just not getting into it, but do you think that's something that <clears throat> somebody can really turn like a, a town or a city around by having like two or three like real sharp people in there? Or is that kind of like city manager slash you know what I mean? Is that kind of I, I has think to you be
1: can. G- no, I, I think you can. I do not think you can with the eight man council. You have way too, too many opinions. M- you have way too many people. To all get moving in one direction, and gotcha, it, it's with very, no one in charge. <laughs> you could put two good people on there, and if everybody else is against you, well, is it going to help? Yeah, gotcha. And especially when you've got that many people and you're having trouble, you know. Okay, so one of the people on the council didn't even file, but for his seat, but nobody else ran, filed against him, and so you, by default, you automatically. <laughs> are still in there. So
0: you got two positions basically that didn't even want to get filled.
1: Yeah yes. Yes. That's crazy. So yeah, that's 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 a trouble in a small town. But so what's but your yes, vision? I, I think what's you your can... vision for Minko then? Oh I I really don't know that I have a vision for Minko. <laughs> what I would like to see Minko grow. Minko can grow. Um the problem is is we We're short of housing. Uh, You know, I own some rental properties there, and I practically have a waiting list.
0: Really? For them? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, and Mason owns some too. Yeah. He he never has any empty. He never has any nice properties in Minko stay rented out. So, and it has especially been that way since we built the new school. So it would Mm. be nice to be in a situation where we could have some. uh, But how do you affect that
0: from? Can you affect it from that side? Um. Like, how would you do that? Do you offer a tax incentive for, you know what I'm saying? Like, how would you affect that? I
1: would probably, you know, if they made me King Joey, you know. Okay. uh, Let's play hypothetical. Yeah. um, I would probably do some of it with zoning and then go. And then if you do some zoning and uh, you do some things where you try to go, go out and find developers that would come in to buy land. Around Minko to Make be able it to easier develop to into a housing to one good housing addition. Now the problem Minko has is we there's more people that want to live there. We need nice housing there, and you need to grow your population because as you grow your population and you grow a population with income, you get more businesses. But you also have until that point, you also have to provide water, city, you know, water, sewer, fire, police for those people. And that could kind of kill you, too, on your budget until you get the more businesses and more tax revenue right. in there. But everyone's always talking in Minko about, um, you know, they want to get a grocery store because ever since ours burnt down, um, they want to get other businesses, chain you know, chain restaurants. Oh, I wish we had some more restaurants or all that. All of those restaurants, they all look at census data and they go off of the census data for... How many people do you have, and how much do they make? So you either need a whole bunch of people making average or moderate income, <laughs> or just a few people that make a really big income, <laughs> and because can really skew the numbers. <laughs> yeah, because they don't—they're um, not going to come to a place where there's no people and they don't have any money. Yeah, and so I mean, it's all, <clears throat> and because I think I've—I've I've heard that from. We've talked to some people at Tuttle and Mustang. And they said, you know, we can fight and fight and try to get the businesses to come here. But when we get the people to move here, all of a sudden, businesses are just calling us. Hey, uh, is there any property we want to build there? Mm-hmm. Because they've looked at the data, and the data says, hey, well, that's we need to be there.
0: Even Mustang was kind of on the bubble when they bit, got the coffee shop. It was kind of like, I wonder if there's yeah. enough people in Mustang to support. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's okay to support it, but are you going to have a really thriving business? off? And mm-hmm. that was... You know, which that was a while back now, but even at that point, it was kind of like, I'm not sure if Mustang even has enough to support that. So, because imagine if you're looking for, you know, I think some of their tickets are four or five hundred tickets a day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a fourth of the town needs to come through every yeah. day. You know, it's exactly. the numbers are pretty staggering when you start. Thinking about some of these, you know, even the simple like Taco Bell and you know stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, they're doing hundreds and hundreds of ticket count. If you only Mm -hmm. have that many people in the town, you've got to have the numbers is the biggest thing. Well, you know,
1: people always talk about well, there's the people that are less progressive that are saying, well, we don't want Minko to grow, you know, and we don't want all these people moving in from out of town. And I look at him and I say, hey. Look at Minko. Minko has actually shrunk in size. You know, we were the really? big we were the big town. We were way bigger than Tuttle in back in the fifties and sixties. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, and Tuttle was just a wide spot in the road. Hmm. We played y'all and football and basketball, and we had all the businesses. You know, we had the movie theater. Wow. Everybody came to Minko on Saturday. Huh. And the other thing I look at, if you'll go to the History Center and go read a little bit of history about Minko. Minka was a town that was. I,
0: can't I just go to the internet, or is that?
1: Mm, some of it you can get on there, but it there's some information that's not, not this on the, history. Yeah, not on the internet. <laughs> um, that Minka was really founded by, uh, kind of the Johnson family, and it was a lot of people with a lot of vision, and entrepreneurial. How do you spirit.
0: found a town?
1: Have you, you looked into that? Yes, I have. If you'll read the book, I kind of thought about that. If you read the book, Chickasaw Rancher, okay, see that was Chickasaw land. And when they, when the railroad was coming through, when they found out it was coming to Minko, it was going to stop at Minko. Yeah. They came over and they plotted out the town because at that time, the Chickasaw land was held in common with uh, the Chickasaw tribe. Okay. And you, and if you were Chickasaw Indian, you could. You could just use the land, and you did. You couldn't sell it, but you could just use it. And then they they went over and plotted off the town. And then after that, when they made the Dawes Act, made them take like 160 acres. Yeah. Okay. The family members started that. Like one of them took Minko as their 160 (sighs) acres, and then they were able to start selling off and they developed the town, but.
0: Do you think you can still start a town today if you go buy a bunch of land out in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, I think you and can. And just...
1: Yeah, like a planned community. hmm It's happening in Florida. Really? Yeah. There, uh, On oceanfront property and yeah, stuff? Yeah, ocean... There was some... Uh, like, Seaside, Florida <laughs> was a total planned community. They just went and bought the land and...
0: Well, we just went to that Rosemary Beach. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Like, all the t-shirts and stuff say, like, 80s or something like that. Yeah. 1980s or something. You know, yeah. it's like... So that wasn't even. That yeah, long ago. You,
1: you could do it, but I mean, you got to think about what's going to bring people to your town. Right, so you're going to have to have something. But it has but to be yeah. in the
0: middle of nowhere, but also <laughs> have but some appeal to
1: it. So get this about Minko. So uh, C.B. Campbell, who was that Montfort Johnson, who the Johnson Ranch where Brahms is now.
0: Okay. Huh.
1: Okay. C.B. Campbell was his nephew. He's basically developed downtown, built downtown
0: of Minko, not yes, Tuttle okay. of
1: Minko. And hired the uh, architect that, that uh, designed downtown Kansas City to come down, and he designed downtown Minko, and that's why it's all brick. Huh. And it was, we've torn down so many buildings, but it was actually much bigger. And we had hotels. And Really? Here's the interesting thing was where, do you know where the Shuttons live over by my house? Ed mm-hmm. and Linda Shutton. That was C.B. Campbell's house. He built that in around 1890. It was a two-story house, much bigger house than it is now. Hmm. In the back of that house is a deal. They call it the octagon. It's an octagon-shaped like tower. That's where you had fights? Nope. It was actually <laughs> one. It was a viewing. It used to be further down in the bottom there in, by the creek, and they've actually, the lower half of it rotted, so they huh. lowered it one story. Sure. But it was down there, and what it was was the viewing platform for the wealthy people to come in and watched the polo uh, ga- matches. Yeah. And to see the horses that they were going to buy. And people came from Europe. What? We, Minko was the premier uh, polo pony.
0: Get out of here. Yes. Huh. In the nation. Do you think the interstate messed up a lot of that,
1: though? Oh, no. Minko was think dying before why? then. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, it wasn't that? No. No. I, no. You know what? Um. You think it's the wrong people? I mean, what what got Minko originally started its decline in the '60s was post World War II when people started driving like to Oklahoma City to work, to Tinker, to FAA, Mm -hmm. uh, Western Electric. You know, they were all people got more mobile, Mm -hmm. and whereas before people shopped in Minko, they stayed in Minko. The farmers that lived out in the country, you had you had a lot more people living on farms. Every Saturday they would come into Minko. From say the Pocasset, right, Koger, Binger, the smaller t- tuttle, they'd come to Minko. And now people don't think anything about going to Yukon or Oklahoma City twice a day. You know? Right. Like, oh, I forgot something. Let's run to Walmart, you know.
0: Yeah. That hmm. was but
1: but yeah, that's that's what I was saying was it was people with a really big vision were people that and People were making money in Minko, so like the Coffees, they had a hardware store, the Woodworths. Mm-hmm. You know, there were people that came from back east. They were like, hey, I think we can make some money in this town of Minko, and they came there because it's the railhead, you know, it's on the Chisholm Trail, it's the railhead for the Rock Island Railroad, and so, that, but, you know, I don't, I don't have the vision that Minko can ever be that again, but come on, we, we do I that's have, you're on the... I mean, we do have several business owners. I mean, you know. Uh, do you know Dale Miller yeah okay Dale you know they have the excavation company boring company and then they bought AccuFab, uh the steel manufacturing yeah. uh, and then of course firestones so you know we we have some good business people there that that are very supportive of the
0: now question about that I know sales tax is the only way that they that the city gets money from that from mm. anything I mean more or less right yes does anything like what he's doing or you know even trucking stuff does any of that have sales tax that affects the town or how does that work
1: Mm, you said very little that's that is a problem now
0: it's an economy you know boost as far as there's jobs and stuff like that of course but there's other benefits but i didn't know if that has any services
1: services don't have taxes on them gotcha um Huh. That's uh, weird. Acufab, if they sell something out there, that somebody comes out and buys it that they've fabricated, yes, right. there's going to be sales tax on it. The other thing is in a farming community, nobody pays sales tax.
0: Agriculture. Whoa. Agriculture. Weird.
1: You know, I have a I've had a new revelation on this recently. I'm um, ready. Chris Mosley, the mayor of I spoke with him last week, and Chigashay he was telling me Chickasha's running a pretty good size deficit because of what they're having to pay the fire and the police department and just, you know, the size of city they are. Mm-hmm. And he said, they're going after, and he said, we're getting a lot more sales tax revenue because we've had to go after to promote businesses and promote downtown and get removed restaurants and retail down there. Mm-hmm. His thing was he talked to us, Lon, you know, Lonnie Paxton, mm-hmm. our senator. Mm-hmm. And he talked to Governor Stitt about it, and he said, "Do you realize, we're get Governor
0: Stitt, on the podcast,
1: you're going to have Governor <laughs> Stitt on there? <laughs> you
0: should. He's a great guy. I wish that'd be great."
1: And uh, he said, "You're forcing us to recruit poverty." And they were like, "What?" And he said, "Because cities, the only way they can raise any money is through sales tax, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay." So he said, we have to grow our sales tax basis. So he said, what do we go after? We don't go after high paying tech manufacturing jobs because those, he said, those could hurt us more than they'd help us. Because yes, it's, it helps the economy, but we don't get any sales tax revenue. But they also require sewer, water. Right. There are you're a losing as much as you're, yeah. As you're gaining, it's kind of a wash because you try not to really make a profit off of your water. You know, hey, we're going to make a bunch of money off of you yeah. getting something to drink, and he said, "So what we have to do for sales tax is retail and restaurants, lowest paying jobs that are out there is retail and sales." Huh. And he said, "And his point is that a lot of other states do at like an at, allow cities to pass ad valorem taxes, you know, property taxes, but you know, people in Oklahoma like low property taxes.
0: Yeah, so. huh? That's interesting." Yeah, that's really crazy. I never even like thought about that side until some like local government stuff, you know, now that I'm a little bit older, I've had some people my age and you know, <laughs> stuff get into I'm like, what in the world? But
1: it is it, it's it a lot of your cities are between a rock and a hard place on these things. Because I think Minko is one of those towns that actually had quite a bit of money about thirty years ago. Hmm. You know, they'd done things responsibly. They really hadn't built a new water plant. But then, as you have these new laws coming in with DEQ, and they're like, hey, you got to do something with this old water plant. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you can't do $50,000 in renovations. Right. No, you got to build a $2 million water plant.
0: It's either shut it down or go into yeah. the hole. And you got to go do
1: your sewer lagoons. They aren't good. So, all these things cost a lot of money, and you have to pay people more. And these small towns are just having a really hard time with it. Hmm. Because they have one revenue stream, yeah, and Walmart and Amazon and we've got have one wiped gas station. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's crazy. So. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you think? You feel like you've talked for an hour and twenty six minutes? We didn't even get to my notes. You know, get you at, to them. Yeah, what do you you, got? Were, you were
1: asking I Joe questions about like my book. You know, the
0: books he <laughs> like to read. And He's <laughs> like, so I've wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish. You came here to to the podcast to reveal
1: your book. No, no, (laughs) no, but no, I did give you a a little secret. Like you'd asked earlier, like what I felt like helped me early on. And that was just the reading, you know, the reading, reading trade publications. You know, I tell people that all the time, if they want to be successful at what they're doing, you need, you need to learn and research it. Mm. And that was one of the big things I said was the, the, Reading every trade publication in your business, and learning—you know—reading other books. I—I I know when I was in high school, I read uh, Iacocca. Have you ever read that one?
0: I just bought it because you.
1: That, yeah, it's a great—it's a great book. A little bit dated, but it's still good. And uh, Art of the Deal—I actually didn't read that until after he got elected president. Oh, really? I'd never read it before. I
0: read it a long time ago.
1: And then, of course, I've read almost all of the Rich Dad Poor Dad books. But yeah, do all, all of the reading. And one of the things that, that is common in them is also the personal relationships. I mean, that's one of the things. I see that a lot. You go back to the service side of it. You're saying, you know what what do we do different? And that's one of the things. We do. We have personal relationships with our customers. They have my cell phone number. They can call me. Um, we develop relationships on both sides. We develop a relationship with the cement supplier. And then uh, we gotcha. de- and the salesman with them, and we develop a relationship with the customer that
0: they're delivering. I feel for. like vendor relationships is really missed by a lot of people. Like they don't, I'm their customer. They buy, you know, yeah. and I agree with that, of course, but I think there's a lot that they can do that if you're a nice person, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, yeah, it can get you a long ways. Oh yeah. You know, people, what's the saying? People buy,
1: they will not buy things from people they don't like and yeah. You know, Don't want to spend time with, you know, they want to buy things from people they like and know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's true.
1: And that's one of the things that Joe and I have talked about that we don't like about the way things seem to be going because there's a lot of, in the big corporations, they want to try to take that personal relationship out. And I think they want to do that because. That's a disadvantage. Yeah. Your loyalty then is to that salesman. It's not to the company. Right. And they're uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Whereas if they just embrace it and that guy's worth his weight in gold, you know, because right. you've got a face with a product. And yeah. but that's one of the things that I'm I'm hoping in the I'm hoping that doesn't change that much and I I probably won't enjoy it as much if everything I'm doing is just in a bid.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're cheaper. You know.
1: Yep, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And when it when it becomes a commodity. But, you know, some of my, you know, some of my best friends really are in the industry. You know, I'm going, uh, look, I'm looking forward to it Thursday and Friday, Joe and I are going to the, uh, Oklahoma ready mix, uh, winter conference up in Tulsa. (laughs) It's a great time. You know, um, we go up there, you get to spend time with these customers. It's usually the decision makers of these, of our companies that we work for that are there, you get to spend some time with them. You have a drink or two, you go out to dinner with them. You get to spend it in a more relaxed, the summer conference. I really enjoy the summer conference. You tell ta- everybody takes their families. So huh. you get to know their wives, their kids. They get to know your wives and kids. They, uh, we went to the summer conference. Uh, it was the first one I'd been to this last summer and it was in Kansas city and ha- Holly and Hannah went with me. Everybody had the best time with Hannah. I mean, all the customers just loved <laughs> Hannah. They loved giving her a hard time. Um, You're like, hey, Hannah, now's the time we talk about a percent of sales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. But and after the conference, you would not believe how many people called me and said, hey, really enjoyed meeting your daughter. And he's, huh. and they would be like, they said, I couldn't believe she was 14 years old. He said, you know, she, she engaged people. She would talk to them. Yeah. And. They, they said, we love that. When there's a young person that can do that, they said, you know, she would go to all the, Holly doesn't like the, like the social receptions that much, you know, where they just have like a reception hour. Just you stand around and talk, go yeah. work. You go room. meet people. Yeah. yeah. You go meet people and yeah. have a drink. Yeah. Hannah would go. It's like, Hey, are we going to that reception again tonight? I was like, yeah. And we're, we're riding up the elevator. I'm like, why do you <laughs> like this? said, because I get all the Dr. Pepper I want, and you won't let me have all the Dr. Pepper I want all the time. <laughs> But we'd go up there and she'd look forward to it and she would engage with the customers. And so huh, but, that's crazy. But yeah, that's uh and that's one of the things that I'm big on is the, 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 uh, the trade groups. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another thing I always tell people. I said, you know, I don't care what organization you're in, join your trade association of that. Get in there. If you, it doesn't matter. Joe was
0: talking about that a lot.
1: I mean, it's, it's so easy to do, and then once you get it, you can't just join and go to their conferences. Join and volunteer, right? Volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. You know, whatever. If if you get on a board, you get on a board. If you get on a committee, get on a committee and do something, and when it, and do a good job, and people will notice that they'll be like, "Oh man, he's smarter than we thought he was," right. you know. <laughs> and,
0: and you think it leads to more business? Is that what you're getting? At? Or I,
1: well, I know it does, and it how much time would you spend going around and trying to schedule a meeting with all those decision knocking makers, on doors, right? knocking on doors when, I mean, it's a good return on investment. You've got everybody in one room at one place where you can talk to them. And there. you're
0: the head volunteer.
1: You, yeah. And you've, and you've volunteered to do something. And so you're speaking at the event. So, I mean, yeah. that's, uh, I, we have uh, breakout sessions on Friday and, I was, they put me in charge. I don't know if they put me in charge of it or it just happened that way because I had two of the, I'm speaking because I'm the legislative chairman. So I'm speaking on an item on, you know, on new rules on trucking, some of it. Don't put me in a here. And then there, uh, I brought up two of the other people, which one was (laughs) a guy with Bendix on this adaptive cruise control that you can put on trucks. And roll stability control. The other guy is uh, uh, a, a transportation attorney that defends you in a trucking accident lawsuit, gotcha. and he's going to talk to them about what they should be doing to be prepared for before, at the time of, and after an accident. So, that's interesting. So, yeah. So, you know, that's you get to get up there, and you got to do a good job. But you know, if you do, you know, they'll usually recognize people that. think more of you you know they think more of you and it gets, you, you can't you can't buy that kind of advertisement yeah so yeah, and and it's fun but you know i i think it is you know right the, the, i enjoy doing it so and going to these things so but anyway yep i look forward to those all the time so what else and i don't know that's is that it that's pretty no much, wise words
0: much wise words from joey no no
1: if it was that if i had that many wise words i'd have to keep them to myself that'd be just so good so
0: you'd have to charge me extra for coming that's right but
1: i would like to do that again i'd like wouldn't mind doing this again sometime on a you know maybe a different format or different topic or but unfortunately about all i know is trucks so that's it's all right like, like holly and rochelle had said do they ever talk about
0: anything but trucks you know? it doesn't matter but as long as you have a hobby you love
1: That's right But I, I have really enjoyed I, Y'all touched on that a little bit I've enjoyed working with Joe on this Not just because we're friends But I have always liked The truck sales side of it too Yeah And been interested in it I, I actually had a cousin uh, Bill Cruthers, That did that Pretty much his whole life Was just like a <coughs> horse trader You know Would buy and sell trucks yeah. and equipment
0: and Easy so, The horse yeah. trader comments Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Didn't say it was a negative <laughs> thing, you know.
1: A horse trader will tr- will trade just anything. Generally, yeah, you old
0: horse trader. <laughs> uh. He would he'd
1: trade anything. He'd buy anything and sell anything. He thought he could make a dollar on it.
0: So. You're like or worse, a horse feed trader. There yeah, we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's really scum of the earth. Uh, well, good job on your first podcast. All right, hey,
1: yeah, it was. It went easier than I thought it would. Piece of cake. That's right. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Chatter with Steve. My name is Steve Cook, the co-owner of Cook Feed and Outdoor in Oklahoma City. If you have any questions or need to get a hold of me, or would like to be on the podcast please send me an email at scooktt at gmail.com. That is S as in Steve, Cook, T as in Tom, T as in Tom, at gmail.com or reach out to me on social media. And I would love to talk to you. Thank you for listening.